Okay, welcome to Lutheran Stuff No Drama, the No Drama Podcast. My name is Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everybody. All right, so uh, how you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, starting the work week here, uh, moving some jobs. What about you? Well, uh, as you know, uh, we didn't do our regularly scheduled podcast because I I got sick and uh, and then I found out you got sick too so unless we wanted to do the seriously ill in uh, podcast uh, and both of us sound like we just finished our fourth pack of cigarettes then uh, I think it's a good idea we pause <coughs> so we'll have to we'll have to put up with a few of my cops here and there but it's a lot better than me having the whole Wolfman Jack thing going on there. Yeah, the Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it's better to do something clear. So, so today um, we're going to be dipping into um, Romans chapter four, and thanks to uh, the listener uh, group, the No Drama f- listeners. Uh, they they wanted us to talk a little bit about what kind of of music and and by way of genre same thing what kind of movies um, should a Christian watch or not watch how much of it is freedom and where does the line cross and I thought you know what this is something that we talked about in the no drama Facebook group and I think uh, it would be worthy of a, a little attention on our podcast as well. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a lot of questions concerning the topic and a lot of Christians confused on the conscience when it comes to those things. So um, we'll be sure to um, find out because, you I mean, heck, even my, my sound clips that I use are all, <laughs> they're all from movies. <laughs> and so... Uh, We'll definitely, uh, I do like to use those sound clips, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. So do you, if you got your Bibles out, anybody who's listening, we're, we're moving on to the second part, uh, part B of the fourth part of Romans, and that includes chapter 4. And the overview we're going to talk about here is how God um, is consistent in his witness and how salvation truly comes through him and by grace through faith and St. Paul's going to do well to show us that there is not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God, but how God has chosen as the writer of Hebrews to communicate to us and and it's through Jesus Christ. So if you don't mind, I'll read this first paragraph here, which I think is pretty much sets the tone. Um, St. Paul writes, <coughs> excuse me, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, he says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed 
is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Uh, and this blessing then only for the circumcised or for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Boom. Okay. So, gee, there's really nothing good to glean out of that, is there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, just another day of being Lutheran. <laughs> no drama, Lutheran. No, yeah, because I'll tell you what, there's no drama in what Paul said when, when the Jewish people were trying to cause drama with Jesus going, well, we're sons of Abraham. <laughs> and Jesus is like... Okay, <laughs> well, I could throw a rock and hit a son of Abraham. Yeah, he says you're a son of something. A son <laughs> and of he Satan, calls him the, son, the sons of the devil. <laughs> How's so, that for snark, though? Uh, now, let's think about this for a minute. When people are saying, well, you're being rude with God's word. Well, you know, Jesus called people sons of the devil and whip people. You yeah. Know, so there's that. Well, he had no tolerance for people trying to impute their own righteousness, especially based on their own works. Because you know what? It's better to stop someone where they're at than just let them go down the road straight to hell. Or the teaching thereof, too. Yeah. So I think with the, the I think that's a neat thing that we have the opportunity in the No Drama Lutheran community is to say, you know what? Here's the straight stuff. Uh... When we look at Abraham here, and we should look at him as Christians and see that, you know, the, the, his faith was credited to him as righteousness, well, then Paul isn't wrong in Ephesians 2.8 then. <coughs> so um, we can't, you know, we, we don't want to go, well, in the Old Testament, they all worked for forgiveness. <laughs> and the New Testament, it's like just given to him. And nope. Just obedience was always just something they were called upon to do because God is who he is. Right, and that's no different from us. We're called to be obedient. Uh, but again, it's only through the gospel, by the Spirit, you know, that all this is possible for the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. Yeah, it was always a, it was always kind of a joke and, and when I was still in Anchorage. We would talk about, you know, m you know how people try to turn their faith into works to saying, well, let's go out and do some faithing. <laughs> yeah, doesn't that ruin the whole point then? You know <laughs> totally. what I mean? Totally, yeah. Let's go out and try something different than what Jesus said to do. Like, you know, I have work in the morning, but let me blow that off so I can do these other works I think are more righteous. <laughs> Yeah, see how well your boss likes that, you know, or something. Well, uh, I am the boss, and, and, 
he doesn't get paid if he's not at work, and then he can't feed his family, and you see how this works. So sure. then I'm not doing the works that Ephesians 10 talks about, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that God has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. Yep, and as long as you've got neighbors, you've got works prepared to do. Oh, dude, always. And as long as you've got a pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, too. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for that in the Bible because I know it's there. For lo, he had a pickup truck, so he must help his neighbor. <laughs> for not all were granted the blessing of the pickup truck. <laughs> So we look through here, though, and, you know, this is really, this is really, I don't think it should be, it's that complicated, because when he's obedient to God, and, and he has the, you know, he talks about the sign of the circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, okay, this is great, because he's, it, when he says this, he's not trying to earn favor with God, he's doing it because he knows He's already earned his favor because God, he knows he loves him. He already knows he has his favor because God gave it to him, not because he climbed a high enough mountain. And so for somebody who knows and trusts that, um, trusting in God becomes, it's a different ball game. Yeah, and to tie with this, the author of Hebrews tells us that uh, Abraham knew that uh, God was the resurrection and the life, and that he was able to raise Isaac from the dead if, you know, he was going to do what God said and kill his son. Yeah. And and doesn't that blow your mind? Oh, there's so much uh, Trinitarian stuff with Abraham and Isaac. It's it's so awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and even the author of Hebrews to say, you know what? Abraham believed in the resurrection, okay? And um, he also believed that um, anything God called upon him to do, you know, you said this a lot last week about, you know, working it out uh, for our good. Well, Job is another example of that. And to say that, you know, did he resurrect Job's family? No, but Job did have another family kind of thing. Oh, even were examples. You know, we, we finished a podcast last Sunday, and then, boom, hit with affliction, right right out of church. Right? <laughs> so, so, man, that was cool. Yeah, the, I mean, the devil just kicked my door down, and I was afflicted, and people say, well, you believe in this God. Why does he let these things happen? Well, first of all, he's not the author of these things. You know, this was between Adam and the devil that this happened. <laughs> And second of all, he's using these things for my good so I don't become haughty and puffed up and lose my salvation. So I feel like we need an alarm to go off whenever we say haughty. <laughs> I'm bringing the word back. So. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like uh, when, whenever we hear the word haughty. <laughs> need some kind of alarm. But... As we look here, and, and I know it's only a few more verses, but um, let me finish this thing out here. For the promise to Abraham and, and of his offspring that he would be the heir of the world uh, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is, if, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. 
For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In a hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in the faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be counted to us who believed in him, who raised from the dead uh, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So here's a witness to the Old Testament being this witness, not of just the Old Testament God and things that happened before, but to show them even in those days when Paul was rediscovering the scriptures is that what is found in there is the fullness of God, that he's not some new God, and he works by his means through and by grace through faith. That's right. And uh, one sentence I want to pick up in here is when Paul says um, he grew in his uh, faith and yeah. righteousness towards God. Uh, that's not a he. That's a the Holy Spirit grew him. Mm -hmm. Kind of like we were just because we were talking about this last week. You know, the goal here is not to remain on Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, we want to get, God wants us to move on to the meteor matters of Scripture throughout time. So that's what Abraham did. He trusted God, leaned on God, and God did the work. He cruised, controlled. Well, and Paul will say as much. You know, we were at one time spiritual children, and we were fed spiritual milk. And as we grow, uh, we just like a child, you know, leaves the 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 bottle or the breast, they become children who eat solid foods and on to meat, you know. And the study of our faith, well, if you believe in God, studying the Word of God becomes this incredible journey to see that our God is actually not as one-dimensional as the television tries to portray Him but he's very complex and he's very loving and you find out just how many people you can actually love and, 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 uh, and it's pretty exciting. Absolutely. And if you read this wrong, you can read, I mean, everything, everything you just read is just pure gospel. Yeah. And if you read this wrong, you are going to read oh, law, circumcision, <laughs> do this. That's not at all what Paul's saying here. He's saying, Jesus did this. Abraham believed it because the Spirit allowed him, you know. So read it right. 
Look for the grace. Well, and, and you know, Paul's journey into Arabia for two years to study the scriptures did exactly what you just said. He comes away from the scriptures that he knew very well, but he comes away with the reading of the Holy Spirit, meaning through faith, and finds, wow, Jesus was there the whole time. He found grace that, as a Pharisee, he could never see. Yeah, and this is an awesome moment for everybody because I think everybody in their life has this oh snap moment where they're like, the book is really all about Jesus. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of get to experience it with Paul as we grow in our knowledge and we're like, oh snap, Jesus is there and there and there and there. Hey, the whole thing is Jesus. Absolutely. And I think that even gets over to our, if if I can be allowed to segue here, when you just look at the scriptures and just see la, 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 all you're asking yourself is, how do I Christian in order to, enough? How do I, you know, and um, that got, I think that was the question from the Lutherans that were saying, well, what about music? And, um, you know, when we start to think about, well, what do we do? What does our music listen to? I mean, uh, is it something like this? Okay, my baby does the hanky panky, then you got these guys. Okay, that's Slayer, Raining Blood. <laughs> and um, and so if you start to look at what is music, well, what does music really mean to us? Uh, I should say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I should say, what does uh, popular music or secular music mean to us? Is it automatically evil because it is secular or what? Well, yeah, and when we come to music, we want to come not as uh, not as pietism, you know, but as pietists with our own conscience, you know. We want to come, like you just played, my baby does the hanky-panky. That's a complete violation of the seventh commandment. But <laughs> if you've ever listened to Christian music, it's a complete violation of the second commandment. It's horrible. You know, yeah. they take God's name and they, oh, I want to feel you. I want to, you know, pour into me uh, all the stuff that's just not in the scriptures. So there's really no escaping. It's like Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 5 when he's talking about, you know, uh, not having to do with brothers that are unpenitent and this and that. But he says, you know, not at all meaning those of the world for the world. It's, it's like that for the, you're not going to get, uh, you might find one CD that will fit, uh, you know, the perfect, your perfect worldview and your taste in the world. You're a part of it. And these are things we have to kind of deal with and deal with with our conscience. Sure. Well, and there's always been... People, I mean, I, I, even as a kid in the 70s, I remember how there were parents that would kind of pick it. And if you were listening to, you know, Kiss, or if you were listening to, um, 
you know, any like Black Sabbath. And <clears throat> it's kind of interesting because Kiss um, never really had, you know, they made up things about him. They said that Kiss stood for Knights in Satan's Service, and that's never, ever been true. And uh, the, and I've listened to their music since I was a kid. They've never sung about Satan. But what they did was they put on makeup and Gene Simmons dressed as a demon. And so from there, their imaginations went wild. And yeah, then, I, I know that uh, for my, even my mother, you know, my grandfather was not happy with the Beatles. Looking back, see, and here's the catch. Okay, so my mom would let me listen to the Beatles, but she said that, that heavy metal was too bad, right? So yeah. when I was a kid, I'd listen to the Beatles, and I'd be walking around the house saying, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> I mean, here I am singing a song about LSD, and I have no clue as this nitwitted kid, you know, and I can't believe that my mom didn't know what I'm saying. But to say, you know, that a heavy metal song is just too bad, uh we're getting into the realm of kind of picking and choosing yeah. uh, laws that Scripture makes. Here's what Paul says. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not beneficial. All things are lawful, but I will not be taken captive by anything. Yeah. And you, you made actually a pretty neat, uh, and I'll, I'll get around to it in a minute. But before we started recording, you made a really important point about that to me when you were talking about, uh, for example, having a cold and everything, and you chose to take from the individual cup instead of the common cup, not because you were worried about the common cup, but because a bunch of people saw that you were sick, and you were worried about kind of uh, making one of your brothers struggle. And so rather than have the drama of it all, you just said, okay, and you took the individual cup and moved on with your life. <laughs> so I thought that was very important to say, you know what? I do this not because I'm afraid. It's because I don't want to make my neighbor that way. Yeah, and that's the thing is, is you know, and that, and that goes with the music. If you're listening to something and you're with somebody and it bothers them, Shut it off. Yeah. You know, we have freedom as Christians, but your freedom ends where your neighbor's weakness begins. Yeah, and you you and and it's legitimate weakness, you know, it's not like you didn't take communion because your friend was in church and he didn't believe in it. You're like you'd be like, "No, I'm going to offend the heck out of that guy all day." Right. <laughs> but you <laughs> you were there with brothers and sisters in the faith that maybe a little bit more Lutheran and so you're just not gonna you're just not gonna bring it in. But how about the, here's a good example of one of my favorite bands as a kid. I was introduced to them I think when I was twelve or thirteen. Uh, I left alone. My mind was blank. I needed time to think to get the memories from my mind. What did I see? What I saw that night was real and not just fantasy. Just what I saw in my old dreams. Now, 
if you know that song, it's a band by a British band, and they're called Iron Maiden, and that song is called Number of the Beast. Now, interestingly, the story behind Iron Maiden, because I was one of those music nerds, you know how people nowadays, uh, well, back when I was a kid, like Dungeons and Dragons kids would learn everything they could about it. I thought that was nerdy, but I was really into um, music. So I was the guy that would look into every single band and just learn every little thing I could about them. And when I thought these guys were so evil, (laughs) I look it up and I find out, you know what? Every single one of them is a practicing Christian. And I go, so what's up with this song? And it turns out um, the song is about them, the singer as a child in England, witnessing a satanic ceremony that was going on out in the back fields and he and it it disturbed him and so he wrote a song about it and it turns out it's one of the greatest uh power metal songs ever written and um the you know the lyric is 666 the number of the beast the beginning of the hymn they quote the bible reference to it and he wrote a song about it that just it disturbed him and everybody assumed that he was endorsing it and and he wasn't yeah, that's right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a huge metal fan, and I like Slipknot, and I like Korn, but there was a point where it does it does bother my conscience. There's some songs I'll just skip over, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can't avoid it on a CD, but what I do, what I do, and I'm not making a universal law, this is a good uh, practice of piety <laughs> and self-control here, is I'll... Um, I'll buy my CDs edited off Amazon yeah, uh, because I don't like all the technology junk. And then uh, when I buy them edited, you know, the cuss words are taken out because I got two little kids running around. And two, if I listen to that, I'll be cussing like a sailor, you know. So it's become unedifying for me. But, uh, you know, your neighbor might not have the same problem. So we don't want to make universal laws. On, on those sorts of things it goes with personal piety and conscience sure isn't that the isn't that the the that's the heart of the whole matter is to say well are you considering your neighbor on this um and uh and if and if you are and are you are you troubling your own conscience no you know that's those kind of things and um you know, if it's beyond that, if you if you've got some damage and you're just not really seeing things here very well, somebody might say something to you, and that's okay. You might you might say, well, maybe I do need to take an inventory of playing two live crew outside my um uh outside my backyard in my na- in my neighborhood. So you know, because I mean, that was a rap group that was so famous just for like every other word being a cuss word and. You know, when I was in high school, I was like, Kee-kee. but, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of old now, but, you know, um, and the same goes for movies, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Now let's, let's take an example here. If we were going to make a movie about King David, it would have to be rated R at minimum. Yeah. Let's think about this. You know, you have adultery, murder, armies, warring. I mean, you, you know, you have David chucking stones at a giant and then chopping his head off. You yeah. know what I mean? So so what some people may say, oh, that movie is filthy. Well, 
you know, Scripture kind of gets down and dirty with it too. You know, it's just the way you're perceiving things. Now, I, I had this talk with my pastor, and we both agreed, you know, we can watch violent movies all day long and they don't affect us, but, you know, if there's uh, some adulterous-type movie, uh, then we're easily affected. And I said to him, well... It's because if we watch violent movies, we don't have the urge to go kill our neighbor. But the other, you know, may cause us to stumble. And mm -hmm. he agreed with me and thought that was a good point. Um, but, you know, I kind of safeguard that stuff. I just have my wife sitting there. And if something pops on the screen, I'm out for a minute, you know, and mm -hmm. then I come back. But, again, it comes down to my conscience and my neighbor and not uh, a universal law. Right. Yeah, well, one of the things that I feel like it's helped me out is I'm I'm dead inside. <laughs> so when I see that's some, a, that's a good point. I mean, that nails it home. Sometimes when I've seen some of this stuff, I'm looking at it going, oh. you know, and I just kind of go, okay, and um, and and so I really have to be awake, you know, when it comes to my kids. Like we're watching a great YouTube channel. And it turns out the guy drops a couple of cuss words. I'll even stop and look at my kids and go, hey, I'm sorry. The, you know, there's some safe ones out there. But like if we're watching a guy that's we like things like gold panning and things like that. And we watch a video and, and, and the guy drops the F-bomb or something. And, and they all know. And I go, hey, I'm really sorry. And and, um, and they understand that those words aren't, aren't, you know, are just, you know, they're And so it happens. <clears throat> but they don't hear their dad um, just going around just dropping cuss words and stuff like that. They've heard me, and it's happened, but it's not my norm. Um, either, yeah, I, and, you know what? I, there was a day that me and my neighbor, we were moving some equipment in my basement, and we're talking real heavy, awkward stuff downstairs. And I thought my wife had the kids, and, uh, you know, slinging this thing around, trying to get it. I let out some nasty words, and I look over on the couch, and boom, there's my son sitting there. Talk about instant uh, sorrow. Yeah. And, you know, here I am. You know, if he was to do the same thing, oh, man, you know, there'd be spankings and punishment. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I'm thinking, hey, it's no different from me. i got to practice what I preach here. So I'll, I dropped what I was doing. I went over to my son, and I'm like, I am so sorry, you know, that that happened. There's no excuse for it. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing you were here because uh, you were able to stop it. So, yeah. Um, again, it's it's going back to repentance. We, we have this duality of nature, you know, where it's so easy for us to get angry, lose control for a minute, and, and not even think about what's going on around us. And if your music is doing that, you're probably listening to the wrong music. But for the most part, you know, if it's not troubling you and it's not troubling your neighbor, rock on. I've been a freaking evil doctor for 30 freaking years, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, for, um, for Dr. Evil, he even kind of reeled it in. <laughs> well, there's really only one song that I told you I consider to be the most evil song ever written and uh, I'll give you a clip of it
Yep, it is Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. Probably the most evil song. And I'm not saying it because he's a redhead. I'm married to a redhead. <coughs> but yeah, I'll tell you what. That song, they even it's so evil, they use it for Rick rolling when they, they think you're going to say one thing and then they jump out and they, and they say it's a Rick roll because they play the song because everybody just says, oh my gosh, it's Rick. It's Rick Ashley. But... um. You know what, dude? We are actually starting to run out of time. Um, I see here that in about three seconds, the close music's going to come. So anything you want to, any parting words of wisdom you want to give us? No, just go with conscience, especially your neighbors. Be considerate of your neighbors, you know, and then uh, go with your conscience. There's no law on these things, and we don't want to make laws where there is, but, you know, if something's causing you to stumble, hey, get out of it, you know. If it's not, rock on, take care of your neighbor, trust in Jesus. All right, man, that's really good. And for the No Drama Podcast, we're at the next